This podcast is being recorded in downtown Brooklyn at St. Anne and the Holy Trinity Church and Pro-Cathedral, the Pro-Cathedral of the Episcopal Diocese of Long Island. We're in Brooklyn Heights at the crossroads of everywhere, and St. Anne's sees its mission as building community at the intersection of faith and culture. I'm Canon John DeNero, and our podcast is called Frankly because it was conceived in the fall of 2019 when St. Anne's was celebrating the legacy of St. Francis of Assisi as a peacemaker, justice seeker, and lover of all creation. Francis is believed to have said, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. We believe that navigating the challenges of our time will require words of wisdom from a wide range of smart and caring people offering straight talk from the heart. Welcome to Frankly. Today our guest is the Reverend Marie Tetro, Vicar for Community Justice Ministry in the Episcopal Diocese of Long Island and a priest associate at the Pro Cathedral. Uh, welcome, Mother Marie, to our Thank podcast. you, John. Thank you. Good, good to have you. Um, Marie, uh, we're calling this episode Community Justice 2.0. Partly, I think, because we are in a moment of (laughs) reimagining, all of us are reimagining our ministries, and you are uh, with us in this mission field um, at this particular moment. I think of reckoning and also of uh, wondering about how to be God's people how to serve uh, in our um, particular roles. So let me start by asking you to take that on in any way you'd like. I'm interested in hearing about you and about what it means to be the Vicar for Community Justice Ministry (laughs) and then how this moment is uh, shaping your, maybe newly giving a new shape to your, uh, you and your role or your ministry particularly? Great. Um, Well, I've been in this role for three years, and um, the bishop actually just created this role. um, A new, you know, it was was new when he called me and asked me to serve. And so in some ways, the idea of having to make things up as I go along is consistent with how my ministry's been from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. the bishop knew that there, it was particularly sparked by the immigration crisis right after the election in 2016. And he knew that he could not be in 50 places at once. There were so many houses on fire and he needed someone to sort of be his ears and eyes. So sort of he could be in the room. I remember those first few months in the position, I would send him a long like kind of text message summary at, on every Friday afternoon hmm. saying, you know, this is what happened this week. Because I knew that, you know, he just sort of sent me out into that mission field and had no idea, you know, what I was going to be doing. So, I mean, two things. I wanted him to understand that creating the position um, was the right thing and that it was needed. Um, but also because I'm, I'm an ambassador for, I'm representing the diocese at the, in these various rooms, in these ver- at these various tables, um, I wanted him to to know what was going on. So the 2.0 
actually, I feel like I've kind of been living in the 2.0 these whole three years. Um, Marie, can you say when you started, by the way? What year did you start? Sure. It was March of 2017. Okay. So he called me. I think he, he um, offered me the job in like February. And I was, you know, I was doing various other things. I was doing long-term, long-term supply at a church in the Bronx. And then I started a priest, as a priest associate, um, assisting priest in, um, at St. Augustine's in Brooklyn part-time. So there was like a few things I needed to sort of wrap up. So I, but I started pretty shortly after um, he offered me the job. And so in, in ways that it has changed, I suppose, there's some ways that it's the same, right? So I, I represent the diocese in these various networks and, and boards and sort of advocacy bodies and, you know, whether it's like going to Albany or, or you know, driving all over Long Island to meet with various community partners and, like I said, sort of be in the room for him. Um, but obviously working with these community partners has the focus has shifted in this crisis. One really um, kind of beautiful example of that is, so I was very, was very involved and still am very instrumental in Long Island Jobs with Justice, their advocacy steering committee, helping to form and create and maintain these very extensive networks. I mean, over 500 members across Long Island in these rapid response networks to respond to immigrants who um, either there's an ice raid somewhere or they need accompaniment to court or they need other um, sort of, you know, there's some sort of crisis going on in their community. And since we already had these networks in place, when this crisis hit, they very easily were able to shift into dealing with food insecurity. So while they were really an immigration-oriented rapid response network, they're still, they're, they are still that, but they very uh, kind of very quickly and impressively shifted to be this army of folks that are able to drive all over the island and get groceries here and there safely, um, which is a lot easier, obviously, in the suburbs than it is, you know, to do here in the city. Um, so watching that really organically uh, unfold because we had set those structures in place and because all of those relationships had been, the foundation for those relationships had been set in place while we could still be in fellowship in person. And, uh, you know, cause I was speaking at their meetings and at rallies and keynoting at this and that and the other thing, it made it easy for us to kind of um, transition in this crisis. So that, that was a really great thing. And, you know, I mean, obviously there's still the ground level pastoral ministry that we have, that must be done. But, you know, like yourself who works in a parish, it has to be done, you know, it has to be done remotely. And while I don't, I do pastor to some parishioners where I'm priest associate and in some other places, but I also tend to provide pastoral care to people outside of the church. Um, the, the activists, the community organizers, the folks out there who maybe aren't affiliated with a parish don't even have a pastor or a rabbi. Um, so kind of serve in that role in some ways um, with these community partners, um, which is really rewarding because, you know, that, that, is, that is a way of, of the church being the church really outside of the building. I was going to say, who's outside the church now? Like, and I don't mean that we're evangelizing to everybody or considering them our members, but just the church can't be a closed society, you know? Right, right. So, and I know, I know a lot of our parish priests do that too, right? It's not like you only talk to the people that are in your pews, um, but you have, the, you know, when you, when you are anchored in a parish, you have so many responsibilities to manage, you know, essentially manage a large nonprofit 
um, that it, it can be very difficult for mm-hmm. parish minister people in parish ministry to do that kind of outreach. And one of the ways, one of the roles I see is just to to keep those overworked folks <laughs> as connected as I can to other things that are happening in the community. Because you know, I'm a, I'm supposed to be the the hands and feet for the diocese right. in those in those places. So so that leads me to want to ask a sort of another question or sort of ask you to build on what you've been already uh, explaining to us. Uh, partly, I want to ask you to say more specifically, you know, what your ministry calls you to, and then maybe just to speak to, even though you've said, you know, the job's always been sort of making it up as you go along, how has the COVID-19 crisis added a layer of intensity or, you know, magnified (laughs) the sense of the problem needing to be addressed? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I think maybe you're asking like about the, have the priorities shifted? Is that kind of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of not really, but the way I do it has definitely shifted. I mean, I'm a very in-person type of person. You know, I like to show up at stuff and stand on picket Mm. lines with unions and speak at rallies and all that stuff. So that has been a big adjustment, but the priorities themselves and sort of what the crises are, you know, haven't exactly changed. If anything, some of the issues have come into sharper relief. And I know Mm. you know this, uh, you know, we've talked about this a lot in our clericus and you and I as friends and colleagues, um, that things like environmental justice, racial justice, the, the, the human rights of low wage workers, all of that has really, um, all of those issues have really been, um, amplified, um, by this crisis. Um, you know, and in terms of, I mean, one upside of, not upside, one thing that has been, uh, you know, in terms of the 2.0-ness of it, right, the, the technology, we, I have many more people that are able to participate in these organizing meetings. Now, being a community organizer and trying not to, uh, you know, having to social distance and being a community organizer is very tricky, but, you know, these online meetings and web-based, uh, web-based events, oh, the participation is much higher um, because, you know, people, people can get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has been, that has been encouraging, but, um, yeah, you're right that, that a lot of the issues that, a lot of the problems that already existed are really rearing their ugly heads, like, even more dramatically, um, given, you know, the disparities and, and, you know, the, the sort of economic catastrophe that is looming on the horizon, um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's not going to, it's not going to get better anytime soon. And the folks who were suffering before, um, are going to be, um, in an even tougher position. Mm. And, and what, what do you imagine, how do you imagine taking this on, um, in your role? And I think part, uh, you, you know, it's certainly true that you're, um, engaging partners in response to human need um, and you're inviting the church to show up for uh, to, 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 to be reconcilers, to be uh, truth tellers, you know, uh, uh, you know, to, to live the gospel as much as uh, you know, uh, we maybe more so than preach about it. 
Um, but, but sort of what are the, what are the, you know, um, what's the word? What, what are the tactics that, you know, you might employ? Um, tactics in terms of, well, like if, if this need that is, is, is real and mounting, you know, is as it stares us in the face, you know, how do we tackle? (laughs) Um, and I'm asking you to, you know, to, to tell me something that you probably don't have any more of a, a, you know, the key to the kingdom about, um, but, you know, just when you start imagining, you know, living into this more deeply, or as you have, have imagined living into it more deeply, you know, do you sort of, do you, do you, do you kind of think of, you know, strategies? Do you, do you kind of, well, you know, because I don't, I don't hear you feeling overwhelmed by it, but it was big before and it's bigger now. And yes, it's more raw and it's, um, you know, maybe there's a piece of what you're saying. I think you are alluding to the fact that um, the inequities, the injustices that existed, and they certainly did before the pandemic hit, um, you know, they're more exposed and therefore maybe there's a sense of having a more direct line to engaging, uh, 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 you know, engaging with others to solve problems or, you know, be the church in, in the face of them. But yeah, I'm just asking you to, to kind of tell me what goes on in your, inside your mind, you know, in your mind. <laughs> well, if I don't, if I don't seem uh, overwhelmed, it's, because I'm a very good actor um, <laughs> and I'm on a podcast and I'm trying to be calm. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it is very overwhelming. And I think that, um, you know, because we don't know what's going to happen one day to the next, I think that just every morning we wake up, we just try, try the, ne- the next thing, you know, try the next, do the next right thing each and every day, even during, even when the, when I first started this and the rapid response networks were just getting off the ground, you know, people, they looked at the news and they saw the children in cages at the border and they saw uh, the things in Syria. And I said, look, just help the person right in front of you. Just help this person who's right in front of you, who lives in your community and we'll take it from there. And in some ways, that philosophy has to apply here too, because we just don't know when it's going to be safe to gather, when it's going to be safe to do this kind of event or that kind of event. Or, I mean, we couldn't even go physically go to Albany to deal with all of the stuff that was on on the table there, and that really hamstrung us. But I think also we're going to get better at this, right? If we if we do have to do things remotely. you know, we're all going to get a little bit better at it. Mm. And each day that we wake up, we're going to figure it out. I mean, like we were talking about, I know you and I were talking about this and I preached about it, about, you know, the through Lent and the Passover stories in this past the season that just, just ended five weeks ago. Um, you know, the, we know how their story ended. And, but now we are in the position that they are in which is we're just getting up every morning, putting one foot in front of the other, not knowing how our story ends. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very different than reading the Haggadah or reading the Passion Play and saying we're living into this reality with our ancestors when we really aren't because we know how their story ends. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know what this wilderness is going to, we don't know if it's going to be 40 days or 40 weeks or 40 years. So 
it's going to take a lot of faith and a lot of um, just, you know, holding each other, even if we're not physically holding each other mm-hmm. and just, um, just trusting in one another, just caring for one another um, to, to just face every morning. Cause I know a lot of people are, are, are really scared and they're feeling a lot of despair. And part of our job too is to counter that with some sort of action, anything you can do mm. that, that is a balm for despair. I, I appreciate that so much. And it, and it is really practical in a way that's important because it's hard to feel, it's hard to know what the practical um, response to anything is now. And, and what's practical is to do the best you can each day that you're given an opportunity to, to do so um, and to act for justice. I, I remember earlier in this crisis when the church was, uh, when, when our colleagues who are in parishes particularly were struggling with how to be, you know, how to pr- proceed with liturgical celebrations, um, someone uh, at Virginia Seminary who uh, saying, there's no wrong way to try. Mm-hmm. And that I think has been a mantra for me. And I think in a sense, that's what you're saying. I want to ask though, because you've kind of made this personal in a couple of ways. Um, y- you know, y- you're, you're in so far as you mentioned, like there are all these big issues that you're kind of trying to be a voice for, but you know, people both in the church and outside the church just need to feel like there's someone there with them, walking with them, accompanying them, and you've and you've and you've taken what opportunity you've had to reassure folks or you know listen. Um, but I wa- kind of want to get back to the kind of more large questions and and some of the big issues you named as part in your being in your portfolio, which to me is, I mean, that part of what we haven't really talked about this, but like community justice is just like. It's, <laughs> it's, how do you measure that? What, are, what is, what, how do you measure um, uh, your, your, you know, what, what's the beginning and the end of community justice as a, as a consideration or a focus for ministry? And you mentioned environmental justice and racial justice and, um, you know, human rights broadly. So I kind of want to ask you, because I know you well, and I'm getting to know you better all the time. I know your heart, you know, can hold all this. Um, but what is, what is, you know, where do you see a particular need or what, what in the broad uh, frame of justice and community justice is calling you now? Where do you see, you know, yourself wanting to show up and lead others in the church uh, to stand with people? Um, if I understand, uh, you're, the frame froze a couple times, so oh. I missed a couple sentences, but I'll give, my, I'll give it my best shot. Uh-huh. Um, I, think, I think the way I've approached this job, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but it's somewhat responsive based on the listening of what people, um, the voices that I hear as I just travel through this life. And it, you know, there, I mean, there obviously are certain things that I'm, I'm personally committed to that I've been committed to my whole life, 
But much like when I was a legal services attorney for 19 years and was doing legal advocacy and representing people in various courts here in the city, um, you know, at a certain level, the person had to come in, sit in my office and start telling their story. And so that in and of itself is healing, having somebody really hear you, right? People who's who don't feel listened to and who's, who don't get to tell their stories. And people don't start at the beginning and tell their story chronologically. They start in the middle and then they jump to the beginning and then they jump to the end and then we're back in the middle. So there's a lot to sort out. Um, and so those that sort of skill, like uh, that sort of technique, I think is something that I've definitely integrated my prior vocation with this one and sort of trying to trying to do that listening. In terms of the big, sort of big picture, broad stroke of what we need to do, I mean, I feel like things like basic self-reflection and empathy that people, and I don't know how you teach that necessarily. I know we, we, we can model it and that's, that's, maybe that's the best we can hope for, but people have to, I heard someone saying this morning, like how they were talking about this, like, you know, sheltering in place and wearing a mask. One side was like, this is a deprivation of my liberty. And another person was saying, when I see someone walking down the street wearing a mask, the first thing I think about that person is you love and respect other people and you want to take care of them and you love and respect yourself. And so, so conveying and just the broad stroke, the church conveying that sort of love and respect for others and having, um, you know, like a real deep concern for people who you may not even know, particularly for people you don't know. It's easy to love the people you already love, um, but to love the people who are not as lovable or who you don't know, um, that that is, I mean, that's kind of the core message of Jesus' life on earth and, and his, his ministry um, and that, you know, that is what, that is what our, our faith community and many other faith communities have tried to model in this crisis. And we have seen a lot of that beauty and love for, for neighbor in those actions, in, in just doing those small actions. Mm-hmm. That's beautifully said. Um, so I want to start to wind down and uh, think about uh, with you or, or kind of ask you what I had before our conversation given you to think about, um, which is who is uh, an inspiration for your work? You know, what, what heroes um, or saints have you, <laughs> have you, you know, have you looked to um, or, you know, drawn from their, the wisdom of um, in your ministry and your work? And it doesn't just have to be now. Um, so I'll, 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 I'll ask you to share that with me. Yeah, I was really, I was really intrigued to see that question. And, you know, I've never really thought about it in those terms about having a patron saint for community justice ministry, but, you know, I was really happy that you made me kind of think about that. And I, I think, um, my saints are not the not the people that I look to aren't the traditional saints of the church, although I do look to some of the traditional saints of the church. But, you know, I think about the the trans women of color who stood up at Stonewall. Like for me, they 
they were saints. They were, they were my prophets. Um, someone like the uh, white seminarian, Jonathan Daniels, who was martyred over 50 years ago, trying to help black voters register to vote in, near Selma, Alabama. Abraham Joshua Heschel, the great um, rabbi, theologian, um, who I think was one of the main people who coined the phrase praying with your feet um, by going out into the world and, and you know, marching and walking and being with people um, to, to save them. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, now that story doesn't end well, obviously. He's killed by the Nazis, but, um, you know, none of us want to be martyrs, but um, the, when you think about saints and prophets, that, that is often... Um, what happens. And so somebody like Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who, who could have chosen a more comfortable path very easily, um, you know, did not. And I think that um, all of us sort of living into the discomfort that our prophets and saints did, hopefully without getting killed, but <laughs> time will tell. Um, I think that is I think those are some of the people I, I, I think about. I mean, there are countless others, obviously, but um, I t it tends to be those um, mm. activists and human rights workers who've, who've really paved the way for all of us and, and in large part allow me to live my authentic life um, in, my, you know, in my community. And mm. I, I owe them a great debt. That, that's, um, you, 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 there's quite a list, but it's a, it's an incredible list and it makes me so glad I dreamt up the question to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm, um, I'm sure I know because you and I are good conversation buddies that we've got lots um, that we could take on, but in terms of, you know, my expectations of this conversation, I think we've hit a lot of our marks. Um, but I'll, before I sort of sign off, um, want to just ask you if there's, Anything that you know we didn't touch that on that you wanted to be sure to mention, or any anything, any insights into you know the moment and um, the, the the sort of journey ahead that you want to share? No, I don't think so. I, I just I really like what you said about you know uh, I can paraphrasing now that there's no wrong way to try, and I, I I've seen so many of our colleagues. Um, just try whatever they can, just do whatever they can. And if it doesn't work, they try something different the next week and that's okay. Um, and I've been really proud to see those efforts. Yeah. Thanks. I'm, I'm with you and it's been very reassuring. Um, well, God bless you in your continued ministry. Uh, thank you for being so frank and um, thoughtful and um, straight talking with us today. Um, I'm sure you'll, continue to inspire uh, many uh, in service to God's people. Uh, so with that, peace. Thank you, John. You too. Great work. Thanks. Bye. Bye.